looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post. Of course, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. And the Archer Park Racing team are looking forward to a big day on Melbourne Cup Day. Now, they won't be at Flemington, but they've got their very good horse, Maximum Output Racing, at Royal Ramwick. It's drawn barrier one with Jet Stanley. So good luck to the team there. The horse is flying, and I'm sure it will run well. But if you want to know anything about Archer Park, go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. Big day yesterday. As you, of course, are fully aware, it was Golden Eagle Day at Rose Hill Gardens and it was Derby Day at Flemington as we head towards the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. In about half an hour's time, we'll be previewing the Melbourne Cup. The man who will be doing it with me is sitting right alongside of me, Ben Dorries. Good morning. And can I say yesterday, we knew it was going to be great racing. That was there on paper for us. It was great racing, but it was exciting racing. Some of the finishes, you couldn't have scripted them. Nail-biting finishes. Yeah, it was terrific, wasn't it? Everywhere you looked. Oh, I will put a little bit of a pot on the Rose Hill track, though. I thought it looked uh, pretty ordinary the way it presented yesterday, the Rose Hill track, and was a bit off, I thought. But anyway, that being put to one side, the Golden Eagle was a, a terrific race. Gee, I love that Coolmore every year. Doesn't it produce just sheer exhilaration, especially when a colt wins, uh, knowing what it's worth? And uh, the great Bjorn Baker... I reckon he had about five beers before the race. I hate to think how many he had last night. And Rachel King, uh, just tremendous moment for her. And, of course, we had the other group ones as well. But I think the Coolmore was the highlight for me yesterday. Yeah, Coolmore, the highlight, I, I, to me, uh, gee, hard to split them. I thought uh, a bum, Buramai, that, that brilliant finish, that the Bella de Bettina just beating Private Eye, that was exciting. There was less than a nose in it. And, of course, great finishes in Melbourne. You've mentioned the Coolmore, and you're right there. But that uh, classic derby finish, the two favourites fighting it out, Riff Rocket and Apulia. Let's go to the, the action now. We'll go to Rosehill Gardens first, and then we'll concentrate on Flemington. And as we said, coming up in about half an hour, our preview of this year's 2023 Melbourne Cup. But to Rosehill, the $10 million Golden Eagle was the feature race on the card. Big field at the 1,500 metres. Let's pick up Darren Flindell's description. On the corner, it's Golden Mile swinging in front from New Endeavour. Communist has done it tough. Pericles needs a run. Then coin toss, Age of Kings. Amelia's Jewel looking to slice through the pack. Hawaii 5 still five off. The Nash has got nowhere to go as Golden Mile kicks. The stablemate Pericles giving chase. Golden Mile a length. A half on Pericles getting closer. Obam Buramai is charging home. It's Golden Mile. Pericles. Obam Buramai. The Japanese stallion bombed them. Obam Buramai. My goodness, what a great finish. He got up to beat Pericles and Golden Mile, followed then by Hawaii 5-0, Amelia's Jewel and Communist. Then came New Endeavour from Straight Ace, a coin toss. Knight's Choice, Kovalika, Rosita from Vienna, Princess, Galeron, Ruthless Dame, Legato at Age of Kings. The Japanese four-year-old, the veteran, in inverted commas, of five starts before going to the Golden Eagle. He'd won three of them. He was produced first up since early May. Josh Parr settled him back in the second half of the field in the rail and then saved every inch of ground, driving through along the inside, and the, the finish was extraordinary, the brilliant finish. The man who rode him, he's our first guest on Past the Post. Great to have Josh Parr with us. Firstly, Josh, good morning, and a very big congratulations. Hey, good morning. Thank you very much. Did you think in the run, and they didn't run it at an overly strong speed either, I think they're about two seconds outside of the record, 
you've got the horse underneath you. Just tell us, just take us through the race and how you felt. What were your confidence levels as they went furlong by furlong? I was extremely confident uh, with the horse, with the horse I was on, the, the horse's ability. I, I got a sense of that on Wednesday morning when I was able to gallop him, and the the only unknown, I guess, I had with him was how he was going to handle racing possibly midfield defence around Rose Hill because Rose Hill can be quite an unforgiving circuit, especially if you haven't been there before. Once we had gone, say, 400 metres of the race and we found our positions and he was dealing with the situation quite well because we were racing we were racing very tight, he handled that really well and I was confident from that point on that, that he had adapted well enough to the to the situation to be able to to have a finish at the end. Josh, there was obviously some horrible interference uh, in the race. Amelia's duel uh, obviously got spat out. Were you anywhere near that? What, what was your view of that? And, and did that sort of help or help your horse at the time or hinder your horse? Or how, how did that sort of all play out? Yeah, so I, I did have a good look at it. Because I, I had the back of Hawaii 5 and I was uh, summing up my what my, my options were going to be, whether I stayed on the back of... Hawaii 5-0, which was my initial plan, or I tried my hand on the back of Amelia's Jewel. It became quite evident that Amelia's Jewel was improving into into room that was only going to be enough for one horse, which made my mind up to switch back to the inside and, and go for the clearer run. As I was going back to the inside and, and establishing that run, I could see the trouble that Amelia's Jewel had, had come into, and I, I must be honest, the the last the last uh, bit of vision I saw of her, I didn't think she could possibly have stood up. The interference was so bad. So uh, I must say I was pleased to pleased to see at the pull up that she that she didn't fall, um, but obviously very detrimental to her chances. Just still concentrating on the the ride itself. I suppose, like any elite sportsman or anybody in general, when you perform a task. You can be satisfied or gratified that you've you've achieved the task, but how well you've done it. And I think even you yesterday, you were so excited and happy, but you you were happy enough to, to almost say to yourself, to talk to yourself and say, I've won it, but it was a bloody good ride too. Yeah, 100%. I, and I'm glad you've picked up on that, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that this morning in the, in the interview because I... I as we know, it's it's more often than not the best ride in a ra- in these big races will will win. There's not a lot of difference in the horse's ability. Uh, obviously, there's luck that that comes into play, but um, so often you see the best ride in the race become the become the winner. And I had I had recognised how great of an opportunity uh, it was for me to pick up that ride on Oben Burumai, and I was very very eager and very concentrated to to make sure I produced a good ride and um, I, as I said in my interview yesterday I'm, I'm proud of I'm proud of how I handled it and I'm proud of my execution uh, obviously Joshua stepping in for the superstar Japanese jockey um, have you learned any Japanese and do you think you might have to because I reckon you might be an adopted son over in Japan now I'm sure all of <laughs> Japan was uh, was watching your ride and, and who knows it could potentially even lead to hopefully some opportunities over there for you yeah, exactly right. It's um, it, it's going to be it's exciting to to think what may come of this, and I and I do I'm I'm very 
eager to capitalise on it as much as I possibly can. Uh, obviously, the, the Japanese thoroughbred is just exceptional, and and the racing product that they have in Japan is is so great. Uh, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely an, uh, a place that I'd like to go and, and try my luck. Um, but obviously, it even if it if, even if it didn't eventuate to that, I I guess now with having that success for Japan here in Australia. In the future, with them bringing horses here, I, I could very well be on their on their list now, and uh, that gives me a lot of confidence. And we we all know the the ability of the Japanese horse, and and when they bring them here, they're just they're definitely the horse you want to be on. When we talk about the the carnival, we talk about carnivals because, of course, what's happening in Sydney is happening in Melbourne as well. I think it's wonderful for for racing in Australia in general. This globalisation factor we saw it with Romantic Warrior last uh, Saturday with the Cox Plate for Hong Kong and yesterday for Japan. Not only is it great for Australian racing, but I think it's also very good for this Golden Eagle race, which is really still in its fledgling stage. But for a Japanese horse to win, an overseas horse to win, it really opens up a lot for this race in the coming years. Oh, most definitely. I think for the for the race itself and, and its future, I think it was uh, the best result. I think it's the best result for Racing New South Wales and, and the ATC. And I, and I say that with the utmost respect to everyone that was involved in the race yesterday. But what it does do, it, uh, it creates confidence in people around the world that they can travel a horse mm. here to Australia and, and get the job done. So we could very well see the Golden Eagle become uh, a much bigger event than it already is, which is which I find hard to believe that I'm saying. But... Um, it's a it's a very big possibility, Josh. I love the way you approach this uh, as well in the days leading up. Uh, I know you spent some a fair bit of time with the, the Japanese connections, actually just making them comfortable that you knew what you're doing for want of a better better word and running them through the race tactics and, and all that sort of stuff. And that was important to you, wasn't it? Doing all that. It certainly was. I, I made it. Um, I was I was quite conscious of the fact that. They were coming here uh, with an upset preparation with the fact that Yataka Taki had been injured. And and obviously, uh, one of the best jockeys in the world was riding their horse and, and that had been removed from, uh, from them, uh, out of, totally out of their control. So I, I did want to show them that I was I was ready for the, the situation. I was, I was well and truly prepared. And, and I... We caught up for we caught up for some coffee Friday, midday Friday, and I, I brought to the table everything I, I thought about the race, everything I thought about the horse and uh, our, our opposition, and I, I believe I believe they felt comfortable with me doing that. I think they appreciated it, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad it all went that way, and I was able to produce the ride that I told them that I would, and, and the race planned out reasonably close to to what I said. A lot of our listeners this morning, our Sunday listeners, you know, maybe not in tune with racing every day of the week, 24-7, but I, I know yesterday in an interview, I think, with Emma Freeman, you mentioned uh, your wife and your two kids and you said they really should have learned to have been psychologists dealing with me. Just tell our listeners what you meant by that. Are you hard to handle? Oh, definitely at times, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got no doubt in that. I, um, I'm a... You know, I I do have a pretty easygoing nature, but there's uh, I'm trying to make a living in a in a professional sport, and, and that sport being horse racing, which can be a 
a brutal industry at times. So um, obviously, it's not all it's not all uh, beer and skittles at times. So um, there's times that I have to be quite selfish, I guess, to to make sure that I'm turning up race day and performing at my best. And I I think that goes with any sports person. There there has to be a degree of selfishness uh, to be as successful as you possibly can be. Mm. And I I, I must say, I I get very guilty with the fact that that it is that way. Uh, And I'm I'm very apologetic to my family, but they're they're so understanding of what I need to do to to make these things happen. And and it's really good that we can celebrate a day like yesterday. And and I can can tell my girls that this is the reason why I, I work so hard. And this is the reason why sometimes I... I, 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 might, I may seem a little bit distant. Well said, and that's a great ending to a great interview. Josh, congratulations once again on yesterday's victory. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks very much, guys. Josh Parr, there is the winning jockey of a bum... Troubles with this. <laughs> a, a bum? Where are you going with this? Because I, I always start to go to a barmer, but it's actually a bum bureau. Mark. What does it mean? No idea. No one's checked this out, have they? No idea. Surely the producer could have done that for us. One of his donors just sits there with a vacant look, <laughs> nods their head, no, nothing of that. Look, it was, it was it was a well-executed ride. The horse has got a brilliant turn of speed and uh, uh, very exciting. Pericles yeah. and Golden Mile for Godolphin, second and third. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the wash-up of the race, uh, a few things, Amelia's uh, Jewel, She's okay. She's battered and bruised, but uh, she's okay. She's in one piece. She will go for a spell now. Look, I've got to say, it's ended up being a disappointing pretty much preparation for her. Yes, she won a couple of times in Melbourne when she came there. She was going to do anything, and then it was disappointing in the Group 1, and and then that was probably out of her control yesterday. The other huge disappointment of the race was Kovalika, uh, but pulled up uh, with cardiac arrhythmia, so that may be, well, it would be a reason for that poor performance. Hawaii Five-0 had a good run. Um, Josh was the beneficiary of of uh, Hawaii Five-0 and Nash shifting out. He took that run. I just felt Hawaii Five-0 fifteen hundreds is out of limit. I think he's probably better at twelve hundred to fourteen hundred. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Uh, any wash up regarding that interference in terms of suspensions or the like? Yeah, Tyler Schiller got uh, suspended. I'm not quite sure how long for, but um, yeah, he did cop a suspension for riding straight acer. He was on the outside and um, came in, and uh, after afterwards, Damien Lane, who rode Emilius Jewel, said he actually felt lucky like almost to be alive that the interference was that bad. He couldn't believe that he stayed on his horse. Let's go to the other feature. It was the race prior, the Giga Kick. And uh, think about it, and Private Eye dominated the market, of course, both trained by Joe Pride. Here's how it panned out. Cole Crusher in front. Clipperton wasn't happy with the set, and he gets going now and think about it, and think about it strides to second, Bellinipatina third, and now Private Eye is slicing through into fourth, coming around the turn, Cole Crusher swings in front a length and a half, think about it Bellinipatina locked up on the inside then Private Eye, further back Zapatel Mazu down the outside Cole Crusher in front, think about it a neck away, now level, and Private Eye's heading top gear on the outside, Private Eye and think about Private Eye hits the lead. Bella Nipotina late, but Private Eye in front from Bella Nipotina charging. Oh my goodness, this is close. Bella Nipotina lunging at Private Eye. Think about it third. Then came Cole Crusher from Cascadian Zapatea Mazu and Surf Dancer. 
As a race caller, I know when I see those official margins, 0.03 of a length, when you're getting to 0.03 of a length, that is a nose or less. So it was a last stride, with literally a last stride win and a, a, a breathtaking race to watch. Um, if you had a bet on, you're on the favourite or private. If you're on, if you're on the favourite, you're out of your misery, probably at the 150. If you're on private, oh, you had the money spent until the last drive. Oh, 100%. I watched this race in the press box at Eagle Farm. I had something on Private Eye. When it uh, shot past Think About It, I actually turned away from the TV. Yeah. Gave it a little, I literally did. I'm not making that up. I turned away from the TV and then someone said, oh, 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 and I looked back and Bella, Bella Tina got up. Some irony, I think, in Craig Williams winning the Giga Kick stakes, the horse he got sacked from so famously. Yeah, she's a, a mayor. It's, it's, it's strange to say she's six, so she's rising seven. She's never raced better, and I think that's proven by the fact not only her winning yesterday, but all of her runs this time in have been outstanding, particularly that run of the Sydney Stakes, but also she's shaken off this uh, moniker of being a wet tracker, um, and she's a very good wet tracker, but now she's flying on the dry as well, so even though she's six, heading towards seven, uh, she's in a purple patch of form. Yeah, 100%, and uh, the only other wash-up, think about it, probably just come to the end of it. Yeah, just just seemed that way, just, just peeking over the final part, but... Uh, yeah, Bella Lippertina. The other thing about her too, she started with, with Hayes and Dabernig and uh, she was somewhat of a professional place getter, but uh, her overall record now is 42 starts, 7 wins. She's got 20 minor placings, but she's got uh, black type status, group 1 status, winning the, the Manicato last year, but now she's got big money in the bank as well. That prize money after yesterday goes to around $6 million. A great effort. And Kira Maher and David Eustace, of course, putting the polish on Bella Nepatina. Big day for them because we'll talk about them very shortly. Let's continue our look back at racing yesterday. We're going to Flemington now and let's go to the Coolmore. Osmosis in front by a length and a half to Shinzo. Then came V8 Arkansas Kid and back behind those horses, I am unstoppable. Osmosis at the clock tower led by a length to Shinzo Arkansas Kid and I am unstoppable is running on the leader Osmosis with 50 metres to go. Osmosis is clear and will take it out by a length and a quarter. I am unstoppable second, Shinzo third, photo fourth, V8 or Arkansas Kid. Then Stretton Angel Nadal. Next Butch Cassidy, Tis Invincible. Shelite, further back Treasure Way in company with Mexico and then came Cylinder Moravia Salui and at the tail of the field was Don Corleone. Rachel King riding osmosis in that brilliant Flemington sunshine scorching up the centre of the track and the winning trainer Bjorn Baker joins us now. Bjorn, good morning, congratulations. Yeah, morning guys, thanks for calling on Sunday. It can only mean good news when you <laughs> folks are ringing. What about, uh, you were seen around the world being interviewed by Eddie Maguire. I've never seen a happier man in the world. It must be a day that you'll never forget. Yeah, it was uh, very, very special. And um, no, he's a, a, it's a, a, a great race. And um, of course, he's, he's, I think, the sole group one winning son of... Um, of a zoo star, so he's worth a lot of money, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it worked out beautifully. The plan came off. I can't believe we've got you on radio this morning. I thought you'd be in absolutely all sorts and would have had about 4,000 beers. You probably did. Give us a bit of an insight into the celebrations last night. I'd imagine they would have been wild. Well, no, I've actually got a 7.30 flight back to Sydney, Ben. And oh, that's not ideal. And went out with, um, with Luke, my racing manager, and Rachel, she came later on, and, 
No, we had a few drinks, no doubt about it, and uh, very good fun. I can tell you, this Sunday morning's a, a lot better than last Sunday was. Blacks <laughs> losing, um, so no, it was a, a good night, and obviously, uh, yeah, it was a, a big day. You, you do sort of forget just how big Derby Day is, and uh, it's a massive crowd and how big the place is. So it was a, a great thrill, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it straight away, but I never thought I'd be ever. Chanting, Aussie, 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 <laughs> <laughs> with belief and gusto. So how the how times change. Very, very good. And look, it's probably obvious um, in the stallion making race, but you describe this as a career changing moment for you. Just elaborate on that for us. Yeah, I guess it's sort of a, it's one of the races in terms of trying to get really well bred colts into the stable and and uh, what it does. It's all good winning races and having a lot of fun, but in terms of going forward, um, he'll get a chance at stud. It means you'll touch wood. I'll be able to train a lot of his offspring, um, and as well as that, it probably just shows a lot of the big breeders and big investors that, hey, we can do it. I've got, I've got the team and infrastructure to, to win these big races um, and make very valuable horses. So hopefully going going forward, it will just make it a little bit easier to get get really high-quality, nice nice colts in the stable, which is a, a, a big part of the business. So um, I guess that osmosis winning yesterday, that's that's sort of like our, our lottery ticket in a roundabout way. And and thankfully, uh, we're, we're lucky enough to have him in the stable. From day dot, he always showed immense ability. He's always had a great attitude, and he's been an absolute pleasure to train. When he won that Heritage, there was a bit of talk and chatter, you know, possibly going to the Everest. That didn't eventuate. He got beaten in the Roman Consul. He ran third there. Did that disappoint you the day he got beaten? Yeah, and there's a lot riding on that race. That was really the Sydney Spring three-year-old championships and um, a Group 2 race. So that was very important in terms of, of where he was at. And I just didn't think he looked great that day. Um, and he didn't parade great. I think the two weeks from the first to second up run, I would have from the Everest point of view, it actually gave us an extra week, which I didn't mind. As it is, it sort of worked out really well. We were able to have four weeks between runs. He really came on. We were able to give him a soft couple of weeks. And yesterday, I think he looked the best he's looked and he paraded really well. He was lovely and relaxed and um, I'm always big on how they look pre-race. So from that point of view, I was, I was pretty confident he could run a big race and he did have a jump out last Friday down the straight, and he he went absolutely super. Um, and I just I did have a bit of a pot shot at the Racing.com guys. I'm like, who does your form? Because on his jump out alone, I thought he, he was definitely the most impressive. And I thought if he brought that to the track and I was confident the way he looked, he would. He'd be very hard to beat. Great result yesterday. Time's on the wing. But thanks for joining us, mate. Once again, congratulations. Great result. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bjorn Baker joining us, the trainer of Osmosis. And, you know, now he's the sort of horse we, we look at him. I know we were talking fair way down the track, potentially as an Everest horse next year. Yeah, 100%. And just really gave nothing else a chance. And I don't think there was any excuses behind him at all. Like, I don't think... Oh, I am. Stoppel was good, finished well late. Maybe could have finished a little bit closer with arguably a little bit more luck, but wouldn't have troubled the winner. It was an epic finish in the Victoria Derby. Here's the replay with Matt Hill.
coming down towards the 800 metres and it's Sacred Eagle just in front of Bulawayo, the 200 to one shot, Tokyo Run made a line of three, two links away, Air Assault Vedad, then came Rogery Sunsets, next is Riff Rocket still seven off the front, Apulia's trying to get away from the fence, to the outside, Gates and Macante and then came Cosguy, Bulawayo at the top of the straight, at the 450, moved up and took Sacred Eagle, Air Assault Vedad, they were followed by Sunsets and Riff Rocket down the centre of the course at the 300 metres. Sunsets goes to the lead. Three quarters of a length in front of Riff Rocket, followed by Apulia. Sunsets at the 200. Riff Rocket pegging it back. Riff Rocket took the front. It's just in front. Riff Rocket from Sunsets. Apulia. Riff Rocket. Apulia's coming at it. Riff Rocket. Apulia. A head bobber. Head bobber. A photo finish. A thrusting, desperate finish between Riff Rocket and Apulia. Heads up and down, Sunset's third, then Cosguy. A gap in the field, McCande for Dad Gates. Warrior to Warrior, what a run. Then Bulawayo, Rogery, Sacred Eagle. Next in the field, make a call. To be frank, Air Assaults, then Gold Bullion and Tokyo Run. Riff Rocket got the judges' nod, giving Chris Waller back-to-back Victoria derbies. James McDonald, the rider. He was the favourite and he was the best horse on the day with a very, very honourable mention to Apulia being narrowly beaten. Let's go to the Tab Empire Rose for the Mears. So as they come up towards the home corner at the 650 and the front runner, Pride of Jenny is seven lengths in front from Deny Knowledge and they're about eight lengths in front of in next position, Alcohol Free Jenny Lala. Then came Wishlaw Lass behind those horses More Secrets, Life Lessons to the middle of the course and back behind them Foxy Frieda, 350 metres to go. Pride of Jenny is out still by six lengths from Deny Knowledge, Alcohol Free Jenny Lala, Life Lessons and a tissue the outside at the 200 metres. It's a long home straight for Pride of Jenny. She's starting to walk. She's three legs. A tissue two and a half. Two legs. Has she held on? Pride of Jenny. What a ride. Fortune favours the brave. Won it by three quarters of a length. Pride of Jenny from a tissue. Then life lessons. Back behind those horses. Alcohol free. Deny knowledge. Wish law lass. Then came more secrets. Princess Grace. Back in the field then was hinged. In company with Jenny Lala. Well back. Foxy Frieda. Shuffle dancer. Osbret Flirt. And at the tail. Renaissance woman. Big day for Mara and Eustace, pride of Jenny. Declan Bates, in this day and age, it was a daring ride, but it was one that paid dividends, came from the outside gate, set up a long lead. It was a long way up the straight, as Matt said, but pride of Jenny pride of Jenny got home. They're the highlights from racing yesterday. We'll take a break now and pass the post. Back with the Melbourne Cup preview next. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Run faster than anyone. Great quiet starting to settle over Flemington. Stand by, the last few are getting set. The stalls... Uh, locked. The field is set. They're ready. And they're racing in the Melbourne Cup. Have you got what it takes? Here's McKayvey Diva. A nation roars for a hero. Have you got what it takes? It's an Irish victory. Vintage Crop has taken the Melbourne Cup. Cross counters flying. The Blue Army have done it at last. Have you got what it takes? To run. My Blue Gentlemen's fly 
on your feet, be strong. Bart Cummings might have his 10 Melbourne Cups. Safely's gone two lengths, Count Sivis. But Safely wins the Melbourne Cup safely. It's Twilight Payment. Twilight Payment. What a ride. What a win. In a cup we'll never forget. Van der Hummer's holding Golden Black at bay. And Van der Hummer's going to win the cup. Yes, the Lexus Melbourne Cup at two miles worth $8 million in prize money will be run this Tuesday. Ben Dorries is with me in the studio. And Jared Daffy joins us now from Tab to tell us what's happening with the betting. Jared, good morning. Morning, you both. Gee, some mem- mem- memories in amongst yeah. that uh, group there, wasn't there? Certainly was. I was looking at the weather report or the proposed weather report. It says a possible shower or storm naught to two mils. In any other state, it's OK, naught to two mils is not much. In Melbourne, it could be naught to 20 or naught to 200. So y- yeah. it's just worth keeping uh, in mind, isn't it? Well, that's right. I mean, they might have a day where the sun is out all day or, or it might be teeming down with rain. You just never, ever know in Melbourne. Let's start from the top. Tab one is Gold Trip, of course, the defending champion. He goes a one kilo on last year's win. But fair to say, this year he's had a very similar preparation to last year. He was placed in the Caulfield Cup with a top weight. He was good to the line without much luck in the Cox Plate. And like last year, Blink has come off again. He's drawn ideally. Joe McDonald riding... There's a lot in his favour. Of course, any horses to win with more than 58 in the last 70 years have been Think Big, Rain Lover and Rising Fast. So it's an elite group he has to join. He is one of the major fancies. What's happening with the betting, Jared? Yeah, and he's been one of the major fancies since the market first went up, David. He's been around about that 5 or $6 mark for the last six or eight weeks. We did put him up at $4.20 after the barrier draw. Uh, this morning, he's out to $5. I say he... Is included on the win line. We'll be looking at uh, our big uh, first four at the end of this, but I think taking everything into account, you cannot discount him as a winning chance. So he goes in as the win. And Ben, number two, this will be Damien Oliver's last ride to Melbourne Cup. Yeah, what a fairy tale. This would be Ellen Kerr, tab number two. Look, he hasn't placed in five Australian runs since coming from Europe, but he won a Group 1 in Europe. He even ran in an arc. I thought he ran okay in the Might and Power. And look, in the Mooney Valley Cup, he was decent. He never really got the clearest of runs. He's pretty lightly raced for his age. Uh, I think he could definitely improve at the trip. I think he's a roughie with some chance. Uh, what does the betting say, Jared? Betting Ben says he was 34 after the barrier draw. Well, he's nearly double that now. He actually touched 81 overnight, but back into 61. But as is normally the case, we do see plenty of interest in these roughies, and, and it's one in particular currently at 61. I'm giving him a place chance, David. Number three is without a fight, Mark Zara, the man riding brilliantly for Anthony and Sam Freeman, and he chose without a fight over Gold Trip. And, of course, he comes in this race as the Caulfield Cup winner and that is great form. He was in the race last year. He was unsuited by the conditions. But this year he's had a great preparation. We saw him here during our carnival. And, of course, as we said, he's won the Caulfield Cup. Why he can't win? 
maybe just a little question mark at the end of a strong 3,200 metres. Uh, his form here has been 1,800 to 2,400. He has won a, a three-horse race at 2,800 in the UK. 3,200 metres, if you're looking for a uh, one uh, or a little hurdle, that might be it. But as a Caulfield Cup winner, Jared, he has to be highly respected. I'm sure the market does. Yes, uh, you're quite right about that, David. And uh, he's been a mover as well overnight. Now, he was $8 after the barrier draw yesterday. He was 7 early this morning. He's now into six fifty. So that's a major move for one at the top of the market. And I'm saying without a fight is a winning chance in the Melbourne Cup. Number four, Ben, is breakup. Yeah, uh, a real Japanese theme. Obviously, we saw a Japanese horse win the Golden Eagle yesterday, didn't we? So we know what they can do. And this horse had decent Japanese form and did start $10 in a Caulfield Cup as one of the fancies. Look, I thought he had his chance uh, in the Caulfield Cup, but there's no doubt he'll be better for the run. Uh, he hasn't been far off them in two runs over 3,000 metres and beyond. He certainly warrants uh, respect. Barrier 18 doesn't help his chances. Uh, what does the betting say, Jared? Barrier 18, an international jockey. They normally shy away from them, Ben, but on the back of that Japanese runner winning at Rose Hill yesterday, there's been plenty of interest in him. Uh, $19 after the barrier draw. Got as short as 17 earlier this morning, but currently $18. I'm giving him a place chance only. That's number four breakup. The Melbourne Cup favourite is Tab 5, Vauban. Ryan Moore riding from Willie Mullins. Coming up with a, a great barrier and a horse who's had a, a large spruik on it for a long period of time and probably somewhat deservedly, of course, was considered a, a very good horse over the hurdles. It won three races, group one over the hurdles, switched to the flat and, of course, uh, everyone saw that win at Royal Ascot during the year. One by nearly eight lengths and one in a hand canter. He qualified for this via the Ballyroan at Nas, Gave his rival's weight and won comfortably. Only two favourites, though, have won the Melbourne Cup since 2000, Maccabi Diva and Fiorento. Just keep that in mind. But the market here is all important with what's happening with Vauban right this very morning, uh, Jared. Yeah, well, he's the sprue course. He hasn't won one, Willie Mullins, as we know, but I think he knows what's required. The interesting thing here is that favourites sometimes are pretty hard to sell uh, leading into Cup Day, but this is not the case with Vorban. Already 25% of the money is with him. He was $3.40 after the barrier draw. He's just getting out to three sixty this morning. The action's starting to heat up around some of the others, but he's clear favourite at three sixty. Remember last year, Jared, David Legend was all the rage. That's right. Right towards the death, it blew like a gale. I reckon it was 440, uh, I think it SP'd at it, and you might have been able to get longer at other places. Mm, you could too. However, with the, the form there, the spruik on it, and also since he's been here, the work has been outstanding. He's a definite winning hope. Number five, Vauban, as we go to tab six. Yeah, this is Solcom. Uh, I think this is a real X-factor horse in the Melbourne Cup. He had his first Aussie start uh, around about this time last year when he won the Queen's Cup over 2,600 metres brilliantly. Uh, look, the real chink in his armour is he has just an awful, awful, awful habit of missing the start, which he did in the Caulfield Cup. He was very, very slow out. He ran seventh, beaten five and a half lengths, but given he missed the start by so far, the run was probably... Uh, better than, you know, the raw data sort of suggests. Look, if he does miss a start in the Melbourne Cup, it's probably over 3,200, probably not such a disadvantage over the longer distance. Uh, and Joe Marrera, uh, Aussie Joe, as we call him, takes the ride. I'd imagine there would be some support for this horse, Jared. Did Aussie Joe ride a handful of winners or more last night at Hong Kong? Did he ride six winners? Jimmy Orman? I think. No, Joe Marrera. 
Where at? Oh, Hong Kong. Hong, Hong Kong. I know Jimmy Ullman rode five at Jabal Ali in Dubai. Okay. Anyway, um, Marira Wallet's a good combination, isn't it? You're right, Ben. Missing the starts, a, a massive um, minus here. However, there's been pretty good support for Sulcom. It was eleven dollars. Was twelve yesterday morning. Eleven after the barrier draw, and it's in to ten dollars now. Can win, David, and would not be surprised if it gave the favourite an almighty shake. Number seven's absurd. Willie Mullins, what do we say, second stringer? Maybe, maybe not. Zach Purton takes the ride, so no no loss there in the, the horsemanship with absurd, who, like Vauban, is resuming. He won the Ebor at York to qualify for this. He's also went over the hurdle, so no drama with the distance. As we know, Mullins is a genius, so is Purton. And he's in a very similar preparation to a horse they brought over here a few years ago, Max Dynamite. But I suppose if you're looking at a downside, Vauban beat him more than seven lengths at Royal Ascot. Worth keeping in mind. What's the market doing with absurd, Jared? Bit of interest in him, as there has been all the way through since he qualified with that win in the E-ball. He was 21 after the barrier draw. He was 19 very early this morning, now $18. $18 absurd, and I'm giving him a place chance as we go to Right You Are. Yeah, Kieran Mart, David Eustace was an informed galloper uh, between December and April, winning six out of seven. Look, Looks a very, very honest horse. Barrier 15 doesn't uh, help one bit. And to me, uh, looks a query at 3,200 metres. And I'd imagine he'd be one of the longer uh, horses in the Melbourne Cup market, Jared. Yeah, he is. He, you're right. He's a query at the distance. However, it was a pretty good run in the Caulfield Cup. I think he finished fifth or sixth there. It's been a sprinkling of interest overnight. He was 61 after the barrier draw. He's just in marginally to 51. Jared, I think he's part owned by uh, Bill Hutchison. Billy Hutchison, he is, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, you are, no? Yeah, no. Right, let's go to tab nine. Vow and Declare, a former Melbourne Cup winner. What a marvel he is, of course. He won it in 2019. He's been unplaced in 20 and 22, but he's going well this campaign. He's going extra well. He was great by an alligator blood on the Caulfield Stakes. He had a wide trip of the Mooney Valley Cup, didn't shirk the task. But can he win? Well, he had everything to go... Right from in 2019, when he was flying, he's now an eight-year-old. What does the market say? He's one of those that we see, uh, re- you know, return winners each and every time they run. Irrespective of their form, there's always money for them. And that has been the case with Vow and Declare. He was 23 after the barrier draw last night. He touched 34 overnight. He's into $26. So plenty of each-way interest in Vow and Declare. $26. And the manner in which he's racing, I could not say he hasn't got a place chance. So he goes in to the top four, number nine, Vow and Declare. Number 10, Ben, is Cleveland. Yeah, great sense of timing uh, about this horse, trained by Chris Lees and obviously owned by Lloyd Williams. Uh, second in the St. Ledger at Randwick and then won the Mooney Valley Cup in really good style, I thought. Um, I don't think the distance will be any dramas. Ran at um, the Curra overseas, over 3,300 metres. Could just go to sleep in the in the run and come charging home late. Barrier 23, not ideal though, Jared. What is the betting saying? No, he's a little drifter. He's been 26 out to 31 overnight, Ben. I'm not giving him a chance, David. Number 11 is Ashrun. One of several runners for Kiramar and David Eustace. What a uh, an absolute uh, achievement to have so many horses in this great race. Ash runs a fascinating horse. He's an eight-year-old. He's only had 17 starts. And many of you might recall three years ago, he was a spook horse. He was unlucky in the Geelong Cup. He won the Archer with 61. He was flat on Cup Day, but he still managed to run top 10. 
He was unlucky in this year's Geelong Cup, and he has 51 and a half. Will relish 3,200 metres, and he's ready to peak fourth up Ashram. Jerry. $41 hasn't moved overnight. And I'm saying, despite him racing well, uh, I'm leaving him out of the top four. We're halfway through the field as we arrive at number 12, Dacian Sweet Jr. Yeah, 51 and a half kilos uh, on his back. He can certainly handle the distance, having won the Adelaide Cup over 3,200 metres last year and also placing in last year's uh, Sydney Cup. However, Jared, it's a big leap from an Adelaide Cup to a Melbourne Cup. It certainly is. However, he's one of those roughies uh, that started to shorten up already. That you, know, you normally see they're always shorter on the tote. So punters do take an opportunity if they think they can or they've got any hope at all, they'll take the big odds. And overnight, he's been 101 into 81. I'll suggest he's got no hope at all, David. Number 13 is Akita Sushi. Dylan Gibbons, a magnificent opportunity for the apprentice to ride for Joseph O'Brien. He's won at Royal Ascot this year with 61 kilos. He's a lightly raised star. He's also a winner at 3,200 metres. And I tend to suggest you should half ignore the Caulfield Cup run when he was in the, in the wrong spot. I think going to Flemington... We'll see him a lot better. Market-wise, what's happening with Akita Sushi? Not a terrible lot here. $81. $81, and I don't think that he can feature in the top four. Yeah, Shiraz, uh, number 14. Uh, Chris Waller. Look, wasn't far off Cleveland in the Mooney Valley Cup and did run second in last year's Sydney Cup, but would need, I'd suggest, to lift the bar a long way to be competitive and has come up with barrier 22, Jared. Yeah, you wouldn't think it's got a lot going for it, would you, Ben? But uh, another one of those roughies that's shortened up. Perhaps it's the Waller factor, but this morning being 151 into 101. No, no, no for me. Tap 15 is Les Totchka for Mick Price and Michael Ken Jr. and Craig Williams rides. There's some ticks straight away. Trainer partnership and jockey. Now, Les Totchka, has, she has won up to 3,100 metres at Group 3 level in France, so there's no drama with the distance. In fact, if you look through her entire CV, her form at 2,800 and beyond looks the best of, of, of her overall CV. So you can certainly make the case she's a real stayer. Uh, what's happening with the market here? Uh, it, it's one that's been flying under the radar. We put it up at 26 after the barrier draw yesterday and remains at 26, but we haven't really seen a lot of action there yet. $26 on tab fix for 15 Lestochka, and I'm respecting it to the degree I'm giving it a place chance. Number 16, Ben, is Magical Lagoon, another Waller runner. Yeah, absolutely wrapped to see Mark Duplessis, one of the nicest guys mm. in racing, get a ride in a Melbourne Cup for uh, Chris Waller here. Mark was stoked yesterday when he, he heard the news uh, riding at Eagle Farm. Look, Magical Lagoon in a former career won an Irish Oaks, and those who saw the win thought it was a, a fabulous win. But that was, look, that was a fair while uh, ago now, look, it was the improved effort uh, when leading and running six in the Geelong Cup, but I'd imagine he's hard to find in betting, Jared. Oh, sorry, yeah. she's hard to find in betting. Yeah, one of the outsiders been at $126. Saying no. 17 is military mission. Gabe Wardhouse and Adrian Botter having a fantastic season. Rachel King, fresh from success on osmosis in the Coolmore, will ride military mission from a good gate, barrier five, in fact. And he's going extra well. He, he won the Newcastle Cup. He won the Herbert Power. Between that, he ran fourth in the Metropolitan. He's got the lightweight and the good alley, 3,200 metres. Maybe a little reservation there. I reckon Gay Waterhouse could put a draft horse in, in the Melbourne Cup and people <laughs> would still pack it. And, and there's actually been good interest for this this morning, 41 into 34. I'm saying 
gets the good run but struggles at the end of two miles, so we'll leave military mission out of the top four. Number 18, Serpentine. Yeah, here we go. Gay again. Gay and Adrian Bott. Um... Look, I suppose what you can say for this horse is um, it does have a, a Melbourne Cup winning trainer in Gay and a Melbourne Cup winning jockey in Jai McNeil. Did win the Epsom Derby. That was a few years ago now. Ran 20th in last year's Melbourne Cup. Run in the Bart Cummings was OK. And in fairness, does drop seven kilos from that run, Jared. Yeah, and for the reasons I just mentioned before with military mission, and, and you're right, the Joe McNeil factor as well, has been a sprinkling of interest this morning from the Good Barrier, 71 into 61. I'm saying no. No for number 18, Serpentine. We go to 19, Virtuous Circle for Liam Halley and Craig Newitt and a good barrier. And, of course, probably his strongest recommendation is his ATC Derby second this year. And I think it's also fair to say in his forums this time in, not everything's gone right for him, but I imagine he's uh, one of the outsiders, Jared. Yeah, he is. Uh, one, two, six, no movement there, but very little interest at this point in time. I doubt he can run top four, tab 20, Ben. More felons. Uh, look, this is a fascinating Melbourne Cup runner. Uh, Chris Waller and Jamie Carr combine here. Jamie, obviously, back in form uh, yesterday with with a couple of winners and riding well, just 50 and a half uh, kilos. Look, if you go back through the form, if you like absurd, uh, the Willie Mullins horse in this race, um, more felons. Uh, ran three lengths, I think, behind Absurd in the Ebor and now meets that horse three kilos better. I thought the Geelong Cup run uh, was terrific, really, running on into fifth uh, at the first Aussie start there. I'm starting to warm towards this horse a little bit. Jared, has there been money? There hasn't been overnight, but you're quite right. Uh, some of the guys that I talk to have been speaking about more felons for a couple of weeks now. Jamie Carr, Chris Waller, as you mentioned, both in form. The barrier might be a minus here, but, uh, the outside barrier, 24, but $34 this morning. I'm giving a definite place chance, uh, David, and the longer I think about it, if you ask me in a couple of days, I might even give it a win chance. But a place chance right at this very a moment. place chance. Number 21 is future history. Another runner for Mara and Eustace, and this time Holly Doyle, very professional rider, takes them out with 50 kilos. He qualified for the cup run through the Bard Cummings. He's been going great guns this campaign, was a good third of the Mooney Valley Cup, and likely to roll forward, could even be a potential leader, Jared. Yes, and, and there's plenty of interest here as well. 26 after the barrier draw, still $26 this morning, $7 a place. $26 future history. It's tab 21, and it is going into the top four as we look to number 22, the last of the Mayo Eustace Runners interpretation. Yeah, didn't finish in last year's Melbourne Cup. Won his way into uh, this year's Melbourne Cup by scoring the Bendigo Cup. That was a blanket finish. I'd be surprised if that was strong enough to be anywhere near the top of the pops for a Melbourne Cup uh, betting look, Jared. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I agree with that. But there's a sprinkling of interest this morning, 101 into 81. Giving zero chance. Number 23 is Carlapore. Uh, Zach Lloyd, great opportunity for his first Melbourne Cup ride. Chris Lees. We saw this horse race very well here during our winter carnival. And, of course, he comes to this race fresh off the Archer victory on Saturday. But on that occasion, he did control it and just got home. Now he goes to two miles. What does the market tell us? Uh, just on this one, he's obviously snuck his way into the field now, but there's um, several big names associated with it as well. In particular, Anthony Don, who, of course, played for the Gold Coast Titans. So, uh, And I think Clinton Payne's in this one as well, Ben. Would that be right? I don't think he is. Okay. I'm reckoning, anyway, I, reckon he would have, I reckon I would have got a phone call. You would have was. heard, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Anthony Don's definitely in it. Um, $61, no movement since the barrier draw. 
And I don't think he can run a place. So number 24 rounds it out. And a bit of Queensland interest here with True Marvel. Yeah, terrific to see Ben Thompson, uh, a good uh, mate of yours too, Jared. Ben and the entire mm. uh, Thompson clan there uh, get a ride in a Melbourne Cup. He had one, I think, in about 2016 uh, with just the 50 kilos. Look, I mean, this will be one of the roughies in the race, but went for home... You know, in the Sydney Cup, when he sent out $151 in that race, almost looked home, only to be run down late. Uh, I think, no doubt he'll stay all day, but probably lacks the class to be competitive in a Melbourne Cup, Jared. Mm. Agree with that. Uh, he was the bolter of the field at 201, but as is always the case, the roughies are, are our worst ways, and he is uh, the worst way at the moment. He's into 126. Yeah, I'm saying he's got no chance. Having said that, if you're looking for an absolute blowout, Smokey, for a, to run fourth or something in the top four, I wouldn't be leaving him out. Jared, what do you like of the Melbourne Cup? Uh, I'm not a favourites man, but everybody says uh, Vauban will win, but I'll be steering clear of it. I think I might have something on more felons. Good on Number you, Jared. 20. Thanks for being with us, mate. Thanks, boys. Jared Daffy joining us this morning from TAB. As far as trifectas and first fours are concerned... Ben Dorries and I suggest you take numbers 1, 3, 5 and 6 gold trip without a fight. Vauban and Solcombe to win. And your place chances are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 15, 20, 21. I'll repeat for those slow listeners. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 15, 20 and 21. Good luck with your Melbourne Cup bets on Tuesday. Ben, thanks for your time. Can't wait for Tuesday, David. And we'll talk to you folks again next Sunday.